Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for a very important, very special message brought to you by Tom Cruise. Hi, I'm Tom Cruise, and we are here to do a second review on Top Gun Maverick, because a lot of people worked really hard to bring you this movie and to bring you this review. I'm Tom Cruise. Um, And having said that, I'm Colin Hilde. (laughs) And my name is Ben, and hold my hand, hold my hand, hold my hand, hold my hand. I'll be right here, hold my hand. Oh, can we just keep going? What a song. Like, I'm not even that big of a lady. I'm a mind lady dog. But, like, that, what a great song. Oh, Oh, we can just go with. Highway to the danger zone. Or you just, I worry about it right now. Keeping <laughs> dreams alive, nineteen Oh God, now you lost us. Um, oh, uh, what a movie, Colin. We won't get fooled again. What a soundtrack. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Get oh. it on, bang a gun, <laughs> let's dance. Dun, 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 dun. Put on your red shoes and. <laughs> Take my presso. All right, wrong movie. (laughs) Oh, this is so exciting. Top Gun Maverick. Um, Top Gun, I mentioned before we even did Maverick, one of my all-time favorite movies. I think it made even my top 20 or at least right on the verge of my top 20, uh, my favorite movies of all time. And this is like the sequel that should have never happened, took forever to happen. Most people went into this movie thinking this is a movie that shouldn't have ever happened. Why are they making this? And most people walked out of this movie thinking that only was good. That was incredible. And I'm one of them. And you are one of them. Yeah. Uh, but now we, Oh, how did, how did this movie a year later get nominated for best picture? I'm not even saying like, Oh, this shouldn't have been. I'm saying like, Yes, they got something right. You nominated this movie for Best Picture and it deserves it. I, I mean, look, I can't remember what we said back in our original review. Um, I, I know that I've always been on record and I'll say it again. I'm not the biggest fan of the original Top Gun. I think it's quite overrated. And even when I rewatched it before I watched this, I'm thinking like, oh God, it really just isn't that great. And then I'm going into this going like, oh, why am I seeing this? And like, literally I went into this because the trailers look good. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, that looks cool. Um, saw this in New York and loved it at the time. Didn't watch it after for whatever reason. It was kind of like one of those like, okay, whatever. When I rewatched this this week, like, holy fuck, this movie's Im- amazing. Like, it's just yeah. hooked to every scene of it. Like, and it, it, you can see why I got nominated for Best Picture. It's a great film. Tom Cruise mm-hmm. robbed. Like, seriously, Tom yeah. Cruise is amazing in this film. And 
I don't know, like, why he didn't. Like, is it just we're just anti Tom Cruise now? I, I I don't know. Like, I mean, it's just it's it's crazy to think that he wasn't nominated for this. But like, yeah, you're right. Like, how did this movie that <laughs> took forever? It was always rumored. It was always rumored there was going to be another Top Gun. And I remember, like, back in high school, oh, there's going to be another Top Gun. Like, oh yeah, cool. But like, this this movie has no right to be this good. And it's mm. just, but like. This is where we talked about the other day about like how blockbusters, like, the, you know, these ones that are in the summer and they're going to make the billion dollars and that sort of stuff, they still can be amazing films and also deserve yeah. to be in the category to be nominated. This is why they scrapped that best blockbuster category or whatever the fuck they try to introduce for five seconds because you can have a film like this that is still amazing. And like this film is amazing. It's also a mm-hmm. massive popcorn flick. This movie's got a plot unlike the first movie. Um, and, like, somehow you get, like, a Lady Gaga song. Which I remember when I first heard Hold My Hand, I'm like, yeah, that's, a, that's okay. Like, I can see yeah. what they're trying to do there. But then, like, the, those closing closing credits, I cried. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> I bowl my eyes out in that final sequence and it goes into the fucking credits. It's just, it's cheesy but amazing. Like, this is how movies, this is how movies used to be. Like, it's just. Oh, I can't stop talking about this movie. I love it. I want right now. I want this to win just on the basis that this is just so fucking good. It won't win, but if this won, I might be as happy, if not happier, than props to Brendan Fraser winning Oscar because I love this movie. Uh, let, put, the, put Brendan think, Fraser in Top Gun Three. <laughs> Come on, I want to see him. Well, the the funny thing is, I mean, I'm a massive Top Gun fan, uh, and we talked about this. I'm pretty sure on our initial review where you said. A movie like this, maybe it should get nominated for Best Picture. And I even remember thinking, I don't know if it should get nominated for Best Picture. Not that I didn't love the movie. I absolutely loved it. I thought thought it was one of the best movies I'd ever seen. But is it Best Picture worthy? And then seeing this movie over and over again, like, and, and seeing the reaction, it's not just, you can watch a movie yourself and be like, this movie's brilliant, you know? Um, I, I can watch, you know, women talking and appreciate it more than Ben. <laughs> but uh, let's say something like The Day After Tomorrow, okay? We could watch the day after tomorrow and absolutely love that movie. Yeah. But we also know this is not the type of movie that's going to get nominated for best picture. And I think that's kind of what I felt like there's no chance this should get nominated. But then the more I watched them like, and seeing the reactions that the rest of the world was having where people like, this is the type of blockbuster that we lost for decades. Yeah. And yeah, there are some big movies like Spider-Man No Way Home, like Avengers Endgame. Uh, if you want to get a little bit more serious and dramatic, you know, the, the Batman Begins Dark Knight trilogy and everything. Uh, why do you even say Batman Begins Dark Knight trilogy? Nobody cares about the third one. <laughs> Batman Begins in the Dark Knight. Uh, <laughs> but he, John Wick, you know, there's these movies that are just fun action movies, exciting blockbusters, and people take to them. But like still, it's a rare thing to have a movie like this where you're like, this is redefining a blockbuster by actually just bringing it back to the basics. And what it really has made me think about seeing the reactions people had to this movie is Star Wars. Uh, because back in the 70s and early 80s, movies like this got nominated for Best Picture all the time. Jaws did it first, I guess. Uh, well, you could even go prior to that. The Towering Inferno got nominated for Best Picture. I think The Poseidon Adventure got nominated for Best Picture. But Star Wars comes out, and the story that everybody tells who was alive at the time is that movies had gotten so dark and so unpleasant in a way. Great movies, but not fun, that Star Wars just simply revived an old school Hollywood blockbuster in a way where people enjoyed it again. And this type of movie, Top Gun, I think it's a harder thing to have done it with Maverick than it is Star Wars, because Star Wars was doing things with effects nobody had seen before. It was telling a type of story that was big and had never been possible to do in a movie before. 
this movie is so simple. Yeah. And movies like this have come out every single year for the last 30, 40 years since Top Gun came out. And yet somehow there's missing parts of the formula that nobody got until this movie came out. And and somehow this just nailed the formula so perfectly where it reminds you of the type of movies you grew up watching in like the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And I think it's, we've talked about it before about, you know, how movies have turned a certain way, how TVs turn a certain way. And, you know, Noah in particular has been like, oh, I don't like modern cinema and sort of the, the way it is. And, you know, we've seen it with like comic book movies and just the way things are. It's just like, okay, well, this is how cinema is. But this is a movie that is like what we, we needed. It's broken through now to kind of bring back this, you know, just amazing film that's sort of like a popcorn flick that everyone... I, I don't think I've heard anybody say they didn't like this movie. And my dad yeah. is similar to me. He's not a big Top Gun fan. And I don't think my dad's a big Tom Cruise fan. But um, I think I said to him, like, you've got to see this movie. And he's like, oh, like, you know, I don't really... I don't, I don't think he's seen it just still. But like, this is a movie... I don't think Noah would have seen this movie yet. But I'm sure Noah would even enjoy this movie. And we know yeah. Noah's the snob. But like, it's just... Everything about it works. And, and like... You know, it's got a lot going for like post-COVID, I think it's probably helped to kind of have a movie like this. Like, would this movie have been as successful without COVID? I don't know. Like, there's a, the the famous viral moment now of that Oscars party where Steven Spielberg is caught saying to Tom Cruise, like, basically, like, you you saved Hollywood with this film. Yeah. Uh, and again, this is a 60-year-old man who was the biggest movie star, you know, 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago nearly now, and yet, like, he's still capable of doing this. And this is in an age where we don't even really... We're not in the movie star age anymore, are we? So, like, you know, this is this guy. But, like, what? And I think it was the honest trailer summed this up that, like, it's the perfect balance of originality and nostalgia, which every Hollywood movie tries to do when it comes to, oh, let's make a Jurassic Park sequel. Let's do this. Let's do that. We know what you like, the same thing, but slightly different. And they all end up like Star Wars sequels are a classic example of that. Whereas this like balances it to a point where, yeah, they kind of keep the same formula from the original, but then they do something different. It's got a plot. Like, I mean, like literally this movie opens exactly the same as the first one with the text, the music, yeah. kind of the opening. But what fucking sells you, and I don't care if this is a spoiler or not, like what sells you is the opening of this movie to when they start playing Highway to the Danger Zone. <laughs> I remember seeing this in the cinema. And again, I'm not even partial to the first movie. I think it's overrated. But that's an epic banger. And the fact that within two seconds, you've got them on the jet, they're doing all the signals, you got them taken off, and you got Kenny fucking Loggins in the background, Highway to, like, you are just, like, you're, you, are, you are erect. You are hard. Mm-hmm. You are, you are, <laughs> call them, mm, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. rock hard. Like, get here, Jamie. Right now, just hearing about it. <laughs> and then, like, like, Tom Cruise is like, and they don't go over the top like they do in some of these movies where it's like, oh, nostalgia, here comes this character and we've got to have like play a score and like Tom Cruise stroking his motorbike and then, you know, they go over the top or whatever with what's his face and and Anthony Edwards' son and Goose and, oh, it's such a good movie. I want to watch it now. Yeah. (laughs) I literally said to you when I texted you afterwards, I just want to watch it again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I did over and over again. You know, I, uh, I remember when I saw this the first time, I it was not even like, oh, you get these advanced screenings the night before it opens. It was like three or four days before it opened. And you basically paid $35 to become the first person to see Top Gun Maverick. And they gave you like a poster and a pin to go oh. with it. And then there was they also had like uh, extra interviews and everything before the movie. And I'm like, well, I'm going to this. Jamie's like, well, you're going yourself because A, I'm not that excited to see the movie. And B, 
I'm not paying $35 for two of us. So I went to see it myself. And on the way home, like Jamie, who basically determined, nah, I, I you can, I'll skip this movie. You can see it yourself. Um, I phoned her on the way home and I'm like, listen, I don't care what you say. You are seeing this with me and you're seeing it with me on a big screen. I'm like, I'm going to see this movie again and again and again, but you have to experience this. And I'm glad both of us have watched this now just what on phones, on laptops, and still can get that much of enjoyment out of it because we kind of talk about my worry for everything everywhere all at once is does it diminish, which I'm sure it won't. But this movie on a big screen, like it is beyond an experience. And I think that's something that has been missing for so long. There are movies like 1917. I remember saying like, wow, this is like such an incredible big screen experience, but nothing comes close to that with this movie. And what is it? I mean, when you got all these movies who, that are going so overboard on CGI and everything and everything's artificial and people know, even if, even if it looks photorealistic, people know it's not done for real. And there's something about when you know that these planes are going across the sky, the majority of it, it's a real pilot doing that. And when you're seeing Tom Cruise in the cockpit, a lot of the time he's actually in the cockpit. That that slingshot, I don't know what they actually call it, the slingshot takeoff or whatever. Um, that was one of the things that they talked about uh, that that opening advanced screening is that they act, did that for real and they had never allowed an actor to do that before. And when you see Tom Cruise's face where it's in all the trailers where he's like, <laughs> that's actually him. He's crapping his pants right now at that moment. And an audience knows the difference. But even aside from that, the way that the movie's handled, the way it's edited, every time I have driven home from one of these movies, I reach a certain speed and I'm like, I want to go left. I want to go right. I want to go up and down. I want to fly. You know, it gives you this experience that like no other movie has gotten to in so long. I think like, honestly, the feeling I get from this movie is what I wanted from Top Gun when I first watched it, because I think we talked about this in an episode recently that as a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut and I, I really looked into being a pilot. So I was obsessed. Like the F-18 Hornet as a kid was like, you know, I loved it more than Ferraris. Like I just, I, I had models of it. I had books on it. I'd watch anything I could on it. I loved the F-18 Hornet. And so when I saw Top Gun, I was kind of like let down. Like, well, this isn't the movie that I want, you know, watching. Whereas this, it is. And I think like, this is nominated for visual effects. And like, I sort of questioned that the other day when I think when you brought it up, cause I'm like, well, everything's real in this movie. Like there's no special, like, cause it looks that fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like I could not pinpoint anything in this film that is fake. Like it's cause yeah. it, and this is the thing with the Tom Cruise movie, you know, this guy does everything himself. So like, that's where it's almost like there. Like, I know we've just had the trailer for Indiana Jones and they've de-aged Harrison Ford, but like, you don't have to de-age Tom Cruise because this man, he's ageless. Hi, I'm Tom Cruise. Thanks, Ben. You're welcome, Tom. Um, but he's just, everything about this movie looks great. And like, there are there are parts in this movie where like sort of the ending, the conclusion, I think we talked about this in the review where it's kind of like, it, it, it feels a bit weird in the editing of how it cuts from one thing to another. And like, I know I sort of think we talked a little bit down on the love story in this film, but on the second time, I was like, fuck it, that's great. I don't care. Like, I yeah. mean, like, who, who, we are, who are you, Jennifer Connelly? Where, where's Kelly McGillis? I don't care. Like, oh, you too. I hope you work out. Like, <laughs> You know what? Like, that, that was one of the things I remembered where I'm like, you know, is the love story necessary? Uh, and I think my defense of it was actually more a knock against the original. I'm like, I watched the original. Like, the love story in that is not that great. That's what everybody remembered because they got yeah. caught up in it, I guess, in the 80s. It's but the like, song. Like, the, the song, Take yeah, My Breath Away, gets them, and, you know? And they had to, uh, I also mentioned, they had to reshoot two scenes. They had to add two new scenes just because they're like, we don't have much of a love story, but this is what the women wanted watching the movie. 
I think the love story in this movie is so much better because it's not even about the love story. The love story is used as a backdrop yeah. so that you can understand his character. And th- this is why this movie works as a sequel and a, if you want to call it reboot at the same time. Um, my first reaction to this, and one of the things I told Jamie and I mentioned on a review too, is that you could believe that this same story could have been done if they made this sequel in 1988 or 1989 and not 2022. Uh, But at the same time, they, they progress the movie in a way that's natural for modern day, not in terms of technology, but the character makes sense. This is the exact same Maverick that we knew. He's still in the same position, but yet you get a maturity out of him that you don't get in the original. While there's still an immaturity that makes sense with this character, but because he's got no goose to play off of in this movie, you needed that love story and you needed Jennifer Connelly and their chemistry is fantastic together. Yeah. All of their scenes basically only serve the purpose of letting you understand him as a character. You get like the bar scene between them when they first meet up again. And of course, oh, he's happy. But then there's that moment where he gets thrown out and she just sees the look on his face. And you want to talk about why Tom Cruise maybe could have been nominated and should have been nominated for best actor. His facial reaction in this movie, it's not his delivery of lines, it's his facial reactions are extraordinary. Like, Mm -hmm. they are some of the best I've ever seen. The sadness he has in that scene, even the arrogance that he can convey in some scenes, the the concern that the the one scene with John Hamm, where after he finally proves that you can do this impossible run that he's saying, uh, you know, they should do, and John Hamm's like, do I fire you, dismiss you, uh, or do I make you team leader? And the way that Tom Cruise just sort of, he doesn't even say a word. He's like, sir. And the other guy, the warlock's like, uh, he was asking a rhetorical question. The acting that he can do in a scene like that is so hard because most actors rely only on the power of their voice. And like, he pulls it off without saying words in this movie. And I think what is great about him, and again, keep saying it, not a big fan of the first movie, but like, this might be the most believable portrayal of a character 30 years later that I've seen because this is the issue with these sequels and that that comes so many years later is that you I you struggle to see that's how that character would develop. I mean we just saw in Jurassic World Dominion. Like I mean Yeah. Oh. Like I don't that like that's not Malcolm, it's not Grand, it's not Ellie. Like it just doesn't feel the same character. Famously I keep saying about Independence Day Resurgence, that's not Goldblum. I mean Dumb and Dumber too. Like I mean I get the joke like these two would never grow up, but there's just something that feels off about it even bill and ted and i'm not that into bill and ted like you just they there's something that always you just can't put your finger on it and yes actors age yes film develops and you're not going to hit the same magic twice but there's just something that feels off i believe this is maverick you know from the 80s and like the fact that like you know he's still the same position and they keep making jokes about it, like your captain still and he's like he's fine with that and then like but having this hang over him with like the death of goose and then connecting. And like, again, you think it's going to be cheesy. Like, Oh, you're bringing in his son. Like, okay. But like it, it works. And I don't know if we really talked up miles teller in, in the, in the review, but like, I mean, he done great on the casting when it comes to him being Anthony Edwards son, like, you you know, it's believable. And yet if you see miles teller and anything else, you would never guess he would be Anthony Edwards son. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And like, it's just, there's something about it that just that just works so much. And like even like I think the first time I saw him I was like, oh, it's a Val Kilmer cameo a bit cheap, but no, like that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And like it's and even the the jerk guy in this one, the new Iceman, like sort of he gets oh, his so redeeming cool. moment and stuff like that at the end. And oh, like it's just there's nothing I mean, 
John Hamm. I mean, God, like who doesn't like oh, John Hamm? Like what a man! What a man! What a man! Noah, Noah, Noah loves John Hamm. Lewis Paul, fucking who he even more like his dad in this movie. The second time I watch it, but like it's just, I don't know what what can you say that's bad about this film? It 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 ends like oh we want more <laughs> yeah. But you know the funny thing is I, I know I've seen multiple people kind of comment the same thing like this has sort of allowed a guy's tearjerker movie to be done in a realistic way because men and women people don't want to say this we'll probably get canceled for saying it but like men and women are very different i'm not saying all men and women but generalized men and women are very different and jamie can watch a movie and just tear up because there are scenes that i don't get at all but it it gets to her and the way that this movie holds off on the emotion it's about anger most of the time they're frustrated and then the final moments where or even like you said with um uh not uh, Val Kilmer, the other guy. Why, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Uh, Iceman, Glenn, Iceman, Glenn no, Powell? Hangman. Hang, yo, Glenn Powell, yeah, but yeah. Hangman or Bag, Bagman, as they call this movie. Um, you know, he's such a jerk throughout the movie, and it's the way that they allow the character to be told where you don't get that moment where you have with Val Kilmer in the original one where he's upset because he's like, oh, you know, Maverick doesn't deserve this. You know, I don't like you because you're dangerous. He's a jerk to everybody. He's irresponsible. Exactly. And then when... He's arrogant, yeah. And then when you get that moment where he's not picked, and then he's just—he's basically, you know, I'm—I'm I'm here for you guys. And then that moment where he comes in the save, he still has that arrogance, but he's like, you know, uh, oh, I'm very good. Be like, wait, he was actually a nice guy. This is just sort of the front he's putting on. You know, you don't have to spell everything out. You get this character, and I can tear up watching Hangman's, you know, redeeming moment at the end. And uh, don't even get me started on the. The uh, it's what my dad would have done moment where I actually oh I'm tearing up right now just thinking about that but it's yeah, it's I've never seen it's, you cried and then you had human emotions <laughs> but it's 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 so simple but it's the type of thing that will get to maybe a guy more than it will women but I've, I'm I'm sure women have got you know the same type of reaction in this movie too it's a different kind of emotion and you look at it on the surface you're like this is cheesy. But then you watch it like, but it's getting to me. Like it works, and I, that, I I love what you said. Like it's cheesy, but somehow it actually works because so many things about this movie. The fact that you know, uh, oh, I'm holding a grudge because of uh, you know what you did to my dad. If you had written that in the script, okay, that looks like it's cheesy. If you had executed it in a different way, where he comes in, he's like, no, not him, because but they wait to give you the information. You're finding out little bits at a time, and I, mean, I praise women talking for the same thing, like proper use of exposition little bits at a time build towards it so that you don't feel like you got all this information just hammered into you and then when you get there you have that same emotional reaction because you're, you're you're not expecting it you know if you had been told right at the beginning this is what the point of the story is going to be it's going to be about him accepting him as his replacement father or whatever then you're not going to have that reaction at the end you get that reaction at the end because they pick their spots well and i think what works well with this it didn't really work in the first one i joke about this has a plot well it does because like i mean it's like literally like boom you're brought back to top gun maverick because we've got this mission and you need to help it with whereas like mission impossible exactly uh whereas like basically in the first one from memory it's let's go training and in the last five minutes oh crap we've got to have a fight um so yeah okay um i mean look there are issues around like the whole plot. Like I still argue about how can't you just send a drone in to do this? Like, why do you need to send in pilots? And did they literally just start a war with whatever country this is? Like, I think it's Canada. We joked about in the first one because they have literally invaded sovereign territory to take out a military installation. And they're like, yeah, America. It's like you just started a war. 
Um, but that's for Top Gun Maverick too. Maverick harder. But I mean, but like, but like <laughs> you just you don't care because again, it's it's cheesy and and it's just like day after tomorrow is like an interesting point you made because like we spent a large portion of that recap going like this is stupid, this is whatever, but it's just enjoyable. Day after tomorrow yeah. is not getting nominated for best picture, not even in the ballpark of ever getting nominated for any Oscar. But like it's just it's that's dumb fun. Whereas this, you could argue maybe is a bit of dumb fun, but it's a fun dumb fun film. Like it's it's going back to your point about you can love a movie and like I could look at my top ten movies of all time that I did on my list and yeah I love them, but there are certain movies on there like Cool Runnings is never going to get nominated for Best Picture. Independence Day is never going to get nominated for Best Picture. I could put in an argument for Jurassic Park. I could put in an argument for Back to the Future. I could put in an argument for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You can put in an argument for some of these based on categories that films have been nominated for in the past. But this is a film that, like, again, when it got nominated, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. But when I rewatch it, I'm like, yeah, this is a Best Picture-worthy nominated film because mm. it is so well put together. It's just so well crafted and it's enjoyable. Like, the, I mean, Avatar Way of Water is everything not in this film and that got nominated. Yeah. Like, it's just, this is a film we're going to be rewatching in in 5, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years' time and we're still going to get the same feeling from it. Uh, I mean, the... The editing in this movie—that's what I always think about when when we joke about the hi, I'm Tom Cruise. A lot of people work really hard because I I actually heard both Tom Cruise and a couple other people from the movie that there was a podcast and they brought a bunch of them on to talk about the movie, and they literally were that meticulous with everything. We worked really hard to make sure everything was right. So much to the point when you when you look at the montages in this movie, mm. yeah, they're fun, but like the details of we needed just the right song and. Miles Teller's entrance was one of the things I think I um I can't remember who was talking about. Maybe it was the director Joe Kosinski was talking about it. That they it wasn't just finding the right song, it was finding the right moment to have that song come in, where it has to have that impact where this guy walks on screen. I mean, they, they put that much detail into it. And you know, all the different flying montages that this is different from the original Top Gun, where most of the movie was done in we've got this flying scene, then we got this flying scene. In this one, it's like this stage of the training, then this stage of the training, then this stage of the training. And it's all done in montages, but it's not like a montage that's just piecing things together. Like it's it's so meticulous. It's like this moment in the montage brings some drama. This moment in the montage brings some tension. This moment brings some humor. And uh, the best example of that, I think, is uh, probably the um, uh, the one where they're, they're, they're basically doing like the canyon course, you know? Okay, you have to make these turns. He's giving the rules for what you have to do to this. And you're running through each pilot's results at the same time. Mm. And you're actually building characters in that too. Like the way that this movie is edited, not just in a fast-paced action, but how you've been able to put together montages to tell a story. Because this movie essentially is, here's your impossible mission. Here's some montages showing the different stages of training. Nobody's going to get it right. Maverick got it right. Okay, guess off. Go off and do the mission now. Maverick's your leader, you know? But yet there's so much they cram into that and make it enjoyable to watch. Like I could sit down and just say, I want to watch the the bombing montage. I want to watch the, uh, the the first flight montage. And who doesn't want to watch the, uh, the the Cobra maneuver, you know? Like I, I would love to know if that was one of the visual effects shots if they did that for real. Because like you said, you can't tell what's real and what's fake in this. I just want to uh, say to Neil deGrasse Tyson, screw you uh, for like ruining the opening of this movie. How he was basically like, Tom Cruise would be dead in two seconds if he ejected at 10G. <laughs> like, I get that's your job, Neil deGrasse Tyson, but like, you know, come on. Um, Tom He's Cruise, Tom Cruise, though. 
He would have been like, hi, I'm Tom Cruise. Shut up, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, <laughs> but Can we I, just also say that, that when he went, the, first of all, that sequence being something you wouldn't expect to see in Top Gun, the way they opened the movie, and they're like, we're going to get back to the familiar stuff after that. We're going to show you a little bit of First Man first. But <laughs> still the hardest I laugh at this entire movie is where he lands and he's got the water. He's like, where am I? And that one kid goes, Earth. Any <laughs> <laughs> cereal. Sort yeah. of uh, bit is that. But um, if, okay, like I know we're going to get to ratings and that sort of stuff in a minute. I'm jumping the gun here. But like, and obviously we're going to go over what it's nominated for. But like, you did your top 50 films of all time. This would be in your top 50 films of all time now, I, I feel oh. like. Top Gun 1 was like, I think, just outside my top 20. This beats Top Gun 1. Like, this would be high up on my list. Is this the best sequel of all time? Uh, oh, I, I think if you ex- if you exclude Star Wars and James Bond, which I think is just more an attachment to those franchises, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, Is it better Godfather than Terminator 2? 2? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I think it is. I think I would pick this over Terminator 2. I think The Godfather 2, but that's a completely different type of film. That's a prequel and a sequel at the same time, so... Yeah, it's up there. And that was one of the things that I remember being surprised about before the movie came out when the reviews were coming out. The reviews were basically saying this may be one of the greatest sequels ever made. Not one of the greatest blockbuster sequels, one of the greatest sequels ever made. Better than And it's hard Dark to argue Knight? that. Dark Knight? I would pick it over the Dark Knight, yeah. I like I was thinking about this too, and I mean, you know, Empire Strikes Back, sure. Um and T two, sure, but yeah, I think I would. Um and it's, but it's also like, to me, it's more of a case of, I think this is such a far superior film than the original. And again, I know Top Gun is generally a beloved film and that's just the bare mortal worth opinion, but like at least of those other ones, like I love Batman Begins. I love the Dark Knight. I love Star Wars. I love the Empire Strikes Back. I love the first Terminator. I love Terminator 2. But like, I mean, I think there's just such a, a gulf in, in quality between this and the first film. Um, but yeah, like I honestly, I'd probably say this probably makes my top 50 movies of all time right yeah. now. Like, I mean... <laughs> Um, I'm thinking what was at the bottom off the top of my head. I would like this better than American Beauty. I'd like this better than Batman v Superman. Um, you know, two movies that I'm pretty sure were my 50 and 49 off the top of my head. So yeah, I, I think like this is, makes my top 50 of all time if we did that as a reduct. Sam Mendes or Zack Snyder has just been bumped. Yeah, uh, I think American yes. Beauty was 50. So yeah, sorry, American Beauty. I do. I don't even remember you. you ranking that one. Yeah, I love American Beauty. Not a Beauty. bad movie, Great but... Film. Sam, Sam Mendy's best movie was Road to Perdition. You should. I don't I think you've even seen that. That, that was Dennis. <laughs> Road to Perdition. Uh, although Skyfall, maybe. Um, you know, this is, I guess, now it's deemed as a legacy sequel. And The Force Awakens, I think, kind of killed legacy sequels because they basically proved you can make the maximum amount of money by playing on nostalgia. And, and The Force Awakens is still Jurassic the best World. of the sequel trilogy. Jurassic World, yeah. You play on nostalgia enough that you got people coming back into the theater to essentially see the same movie. And it didn't matter that with both with Jurassic world and the force awakens, everybody walked in and loved it. And then a year later was like, wait, but it's kind of just a remake. I want something fresh. Yeah. All that Hollywood saw was everybody walked in, they paid all the money to see it and they loved it the first time, you know, doesn't matter if you love it a year later, this movie has sort of redefined how you make those movies. There's been a lot of these types of movies like, you scream five that came out last year terrible because it literally was we're just remaking the original movie um ghostbusters afterlife did something completely different for two-thirds of the movie and then said in the last half hour we're literally going to remake the first movie to me those are pointless this figures out we want to play on all these things we're going to have the volleyball scene but we're going to do it differently it's going to actually fit in the story 
we want to have great balls of fire, but we're going to do it differently. It's going to fit in the story. We want to have the Iceman type character, but we're doing it differently and fits in the story. They're checking the boxes in the same way that they would just write a regular sequel. And that's what all of the other movies have missed. They're so focused on, we want to remake what has worked before and we want to use all these same lines and do the cheesy things like Alan Grant is bad with technology, but we're just making it a parody this time. Then they just miss it. Make a sequel that just is playing on the strengths of the original. Make Stick with your formula. And that's why when I said, I keep thinking about if you made this movie in 1988 or 1989, what would be different about it? The effects would be a little bit different. That's it. Yeah. And it wouldn't be, you know, his son as a full-grown man. Maybe it would be his brother or something. Other than that, that's how you actually make a sequel like this and still play to the fans of the original. You just make it a sequel to the original. And I think the only two films that have succeeded in everything that you're saying is this film and Spider-Man uh, Far... No, no Way Home. No Way Home. Thank you. They're the only ones because we talked that up about, you know, it, it mm-hmm. did fan service right. It didn't fail like so many other films go over too far with it. So I think, yeah, between this and Spider-Man, like y- y- it's achievable, which I mean, it's 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 a good thing, but it's also scary because I also, you know, hate the fact that like I'm so fearful for Twisters. Like I said, we just don't need a sequel to Twister. Like, I mean, I love like, come on. It could be a Maverick. It could be. I mean, like if it <laughs> is, I will choose harder than this film. Um, But like, it's just. Yeah, I don't know. Twist is another one in my top 10 that I could probably argue for best picture based on certain films that get nominated for best picture. So, you know, Twister, more worthy of best picture nomination than Avatar Way of Water. Even you'd agree yes. with that, right? Oh, uh, And, you know, it's it's just annoying me more and more seeing how many of these blockbuster movies they awarded this year with nominations and that Avatar ends up in the best picture because, like, Wakanda Forever gets five nominations not in best picture and it's a better movie than the original yeah. Black Panther. This six nominations, it's in Best Picture, yeah. But, like, how does Avatar sneak in there? Uh, there is nothing good about Avatar. I mean, even if you're a fan of Avatar, it, it is not at the level of these other movies. James Cameron just must have the biggest dong in Hollywood and they're just scared of him <laughs> or something like that. Or I, I have no idea. We need Ben Affleck to fight that man. Dong off. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, like, it, it, it does tick all the boxes. But, like, I also would argue that you could watch this movie having never seen the first movie and yeah, the, the references to like goose and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be over your head. But I mean, look again, I saw this movie. I rewatched it. What? Like a couple of days before I saw this, I hadn't seen Top Gun in like probably 20 years when I, I've only seen Top Gun twice in my life over, a, you know, 20 year period. I saw it in high school and then I saw it, you know, last year. So, you know, I'm not super memorable and knowledgeable on the first movie, but I got enough out of it. Like, Oh, goose dies. That's his son. Uh, like well, I, we talked about that with um with Jennifer Jennifer Connolly, the fact that she technically I think he's mentioned in the first movie. It's just a passing yeah, comment. She's she's the the daughter that they basically got in trouble for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which again, it's a blink and you miss it moment because I remember we were like commenting last year, well, who is this woman? Where is she? But like it's it's mentioned. Super fans of mm-hmm. the first movie were like, oh, there she is. She was I like with I David Bowie back in the eighties, remember? Yeah. <laughs> But I think I only caught that because uh, it, it, when you said, did you know that her character is apparently in the original movie? And I'm like, what? And I'm like, wait a second. Is she the Admiral's daughter? You know, because yeah. they just mentioned the name Penny and this is what they got in trouble for. Um, I, mean, I mean, everybody in this movie is so good. I mean, go on about, we got to recap this at some point. We got to do a Top Gun month. Um, yeah, the, the nominations this has, again, another difference. Uh, sure, it got nominated in the technical categories. It's in visual effects. It's in sound. 
It's in original song. I, I think that the score, it, it would be a tough score to be nominated because it's basically, the reason this movie had three composers is because you had the original score from the original that's used so much. They're like, we got to give a credit to Harold Faltermeyer because we're still using that top those Top Gun themes. Hans Zimmer's like, I'm going to compose the new music for this movie. And then they focus so much of the score on the Lady Gaga song that they gave her a composer yeah, score. Yeah, like, I noticed I've, that actually this time around that it said music by Lady Gaga. I'm like, okay. Yeah, which really just comes, it's not like she sat there saying, all right, we with the oboe to play here. <laughs> <laughs> now the triangle, triangle. But but they her song was used so prominently in it that they gave her that credit. But I mean, the song definitely worthy. Oh. It might actually win an original song. I don't know um, if it's a favorite. Isn't um, this Tell It Like a Woman the favorite, maybe? I, I don't what's know. What's that from? Uh, the, the movie, sorry, is Tell It Like a Woman. The song is Applause by Diane oh, Warren. I, yeah. uh, I would pull for this. Are you over um, Rihanna? Rihanna's nominated. Come on. Yeah, you know what? That is, it's not a bad song, but it is definitely not a Rihanna song I decided. Oh, I got to go back and I, listen to that. That was catchy. <laughs> I there's, there's better songs in, in Wakanda Forever, if I'm being honest. And I honestly am surprised at The weekend from, because I mean, not a fan of Avatar Way of the Water, but that weekend song is a good song. And I thought that would have been nominated. Yeah. But I mean, editing as well. I already talked up the editing on this visual effects. We basically talked about that the other day. Adapted screenplay. Now, this was the exciting one because nobody expects a movie like this to get nominated for Best Picture. They certainly don't expect it. If if they expect to get nominated for Best Picture, they expect it to get nominated in the way that Avatar: The Way of Water did. Hey, you're in the visual effects categories, and we're going to give you a nod in Best Picture. This getting nominated adapted screenplay is basically saying this is a real contender. This is a movie we're taking seriously, and. I love that it got nominated for screenplay because this is, it's not an easy script to write. The story is easy. The script, not easy to write at all. And how much personality they get of the characters. Um, I, the, the first draft of the screenplay is when everybody had to sign on. And um, it, I think it was both Glenn Powell and John Hamm were on the same podcast I was listening to where they said, we turned down the movie. Now, for Glenn Powell, he turned down the movie because he uh, had auditioned for Rooster, and they went with Miles Teller instead. And then they said, well, I'll offer you this other role. And he read the script, and he's like, there's nothing to this character. And they basically said, we're not done with the script yet. Trust me, we will get it there. And it was the same thing with John Hamm. John Hamm's like, it's like four scenes. There's nothing to the character. And they said, we will make this character. We're not going to cast you and then give you nothing to do. And all of these characters have so much to do in this movie so much individual personality some of the minor ones like uh was it phoenix like we mentioned bob obviously phoenix you know the 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 pilot that bob flies with she's fantastic in this movie again a completely distinct personality mm. they developed personalities for these people they found ways to bring drama into this movie that you wouldn't expect you know it's touching at times it's like everything everywhere all at once mm. it's exciting it's it's emotional it's funny it's everything and i'm so glad this got i don't think it's gonna win i don't think necessarily it's should win best adapted screenplay but the fact they got nominated is so exciting because a movie like this i don't think has ever been nominated in a screenplay category before which i mean realistically what's it gonna win song maybe sound maybe i think editing no visual effects no it I might mean... well because <sighs> we we talked about visual effects in the last couple of years that yeah they they often give it to the big movies like something like avatar but then you get these small movies like what well, the X Machina that won yeah, visual effects years ago, true. and that was a low budget movie. Yeah, I mean, look, I'd love to see the Batman win something, but I mean, that's obviously mm. in sound as well. See, this is tricky because I, I mean, I could argue maybe the Batman of sound, but this has got great sound. Um, yeah, I reckon song realistically is probably where it gets it. 
I'd be sad if of the six nominations it doesn't get any. But um, I mean, I know with props to Brendan Fraser, and, and once again, let's mention it, props to Brendan Fraser. But can I just go on a limb and say props to Lady Gaga because yeah, I mean, she's a great musician. I love her music. She's great. She's a great actress. Um, a, fa- a fantastic actress, and she's obviously very skilled at like kind of you know adapting things to movies and everything. And like I, I love that. Um, was it? Tom Cruise posted it or like one of them posted like the little love of each other. I think it was Lady Gaga. I was like, Oh my love to this man. And then maybe Tom Cruise released a video. Of course he did saying like, Oh, and like my love to Lady Gaga, who was so prominent and helping make this film a thing. And like, I don't think freaking take my breath away. Was that Berlin or whoever it was the, the lead yeah. singer who flirted with me all those years ago. Um, like I don't think Tom Cruise back then was going to thanks to Berlin. Um, <laughs> so but like I don't know, just props to Lady Gaga. This this woman is I love her. She's amazing, and I, I don't dislike Rihanna. I, I'm not on your pages of love around like Rihanna more than Beyonce, but that's a whole other kettle of fish. But like, thank you. But like Lady Gaga, this woman's got it all. She'll she'll be an EGOT winner one day, Lady Gaga. I guarantee it. She's already got the uh, the Oscar and the Grammy. I she's got a Grammy, um, uh, Emmy. I think she might. She's got a Golden Globe for American Horror Story. She might be close to an EGOT, actually. Maybe it's only a Tony. I'm gonna look that up. I wonder if she won the Golden Globe for Star Is Born because that would have fallen. No, into the she, musical she won. She or? won a Golden Globe for um, American Horror Story because she was brilliant in American Horror Story. Um, I, I will say I'm like Lady Gaga. There's maybe two or three songs that I don't mind, but uh, the her performances, you know, what was that? Star is born. She was very good in that. Uh, I don't necessarily think she was, should have won best actress. Like some people say, but uh, that, that house of Gucci movie, that is so bad. Uh, <laughs> she is definitely bad in it, but she's bad in an entertaining way. So right. uh, even if she shouldn't have gotten nominated for best actress for that, like she, she knows how to entertain. So I, I actually would say I'm probably a bigger fan of her as an actress than I am as a singer. L- Lady Gaga has not won an Emmy. She's been nominated for four Emmys. So she's missing an Emmy and a Tony. Apparently Adele, um, has only not what is Adele not won and oh no Adele won an Emmy, so Adele's only not won a Tony, so uh, Lady Gaga short of an Emmy and a Tony, but uh, she's getting there. She'll get there. She'll, so she'll win. So she she's a go. She's uh, a good Grammy she's, and a, a go. A go. A go. She's a go. Whereas Adele's <laughs> a ego. Ego. She's an ego. <laughs> Yes. Oh, how did uh, she not win an Emmy for American Horror Story, but she won a, a Golden Globe? Interesting. She's I'm so good in that. Um, I am still buying this movie. Uh, is there a category higher than buy? Uh, the Top Gun Maverick category, clearly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not changing mine, obviously. But, I mean, like, I'm intrigued for your ranking. I'm just saying this right now. This is my number well, one. I, I'm sorry everything all at once, but this is my number one. <laughs> See, this is where it's which movie do I want to pop on and watch? Top Gun, hands down. But I would give everything everywhere all at once just for the originality of the movie. And and I think it, as hard as a movie like Top Gun Maverick is to pull off in such a perfect way like this, it must have been even harder to pull off a movie with people with hot dogs on their fingers uh, and make it a serious movie that's you know worthy of best picture. So I would give everything everywhere all at once, number one. But Top Gun Maverick's obviously my number two. But and I really like Woman Talking, but like this is number two easily. But does that mean then that if this makes your top fifty movies of all time, that everything everywhere all at once also makes your top fifty well, movies of all time? No, because I mean 
my top 50 list was based on entertainment, whereas I would have a separate list if it was best movies, you know? What would be your best uh, movie? If it was separate, what was your number Lord, one of all time? Yeah, I've got, there's four movies that I basically consider these are the best movies of all time. Lawrence of Arabia, Bridge on the River Kwai, The Godfather 1, The Godfather Part 2. I've so, never seen any of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I would throw Silence of the Lambs, Rocky, those would be in there as well. But again, Star Wars, I'd consider it more entertainment. You know, I, I, I don't know if it would be like greatest film ever made. Uh, so different ways of looking at movies, but yet Top Gun Mavericks, one of these movies that could potentially make both lists, you know, it's that good and didn't it realize, shouldn't be. I didn't realize you were a, uh, that match of a Sansa the Lambs fanboy. I enjoy that movie. Oh, love it. Did that make your top 50? It didn't, but it would now. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember loving it. It was, uh, well, I mentioned that when we were doing Women Talking, seeing that on the big screen, I always loved it. In fact, I read all the books too. Like I've read all the Hannibal Lecter books. I love the movie, but when I saw it on the big screen, I'm like, wow, this movie is like, I thought it was great before, but it is like, it is one of the best movies ever made now. Jodie Foster, what a woman. Oh, Anthony Hopkins, what a man. And Buffalo Bill. <laughs> <laughs> he was in Jurassic World. <laughs> yes, he was a Looney Tunes guy. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, what is up next for us? It's going to be the Banshees, right? Of Banshees of Inishiran. Inishiran. Of Ed- the Banshees of Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking about Ed Sheeran. Uh, you have watched this movie. Yes. Uh, is there anything you want to tease about it? I I didn't know what to expect. This is like I think the majority of the movies this year. I like I barely even read up on them. Like I just I'm like oh that's one that Colin Farrell got nominated for. Cool. Um and I'll just say it reminded me of Green Book, not on the subject matter, like different movies, but like both of them, I had a very different opinion coming out of it after watching it. Yeah, it's uh, I, I kind of knew what the plot was. I expected it to be more boring than it was because you read the plot, you're like, two longtime friends on a small you know <laughs> village in Ireland are at odds with each other. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be one of these movies, and then you're like, the way they're at odds with each other is a little bit unique. Yeah. Um, there may be some limbs dismembered <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> I tried explaining this to Casey when I told her like what was happening. She's like, I don't want to watch this movie. I'm like, no, you've got to like understand. There's like, no, that sounds terrible. Well, you know, I uh, one of my cousins uh, recently posted that they watched this movie. Like, I didn't like it as much as I thought I would have. And I'm like, it's the opposite for me. I liked it more than I thought I would. But yeah, uh, yeah it's a unique movie. And I mean, Colin Farrell is so good. Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, amazing oh. in this movie. And Carrie Condon. It's and a, the guy, the Joker, the Joker is the other guy in the movie. It kind of, it, it, let's be honest, it makes me a bit sad that he's up against uh, Brendan Fraser because there's just something about Colin Farrell in this movie that's just so, I don't know, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Yes, we will. Uh, we'll talk about Banshees and Ed Sheeran and maybe Inna Sheeran. Um, we are on Friday right now, so enjoy your weekend. We will talk about banshees and other things you said yesterday it was thursday so today must be Friday. no that was on the women talking today is... oh so today is saturday i hope you've enjoyed your weekend so far still more to come today is saturday it is a saturday yes we will be back soon to talk about 24 and then how many more movies six more of these to get through yes. um i still have two to watch you have what three four to watch uh three and a half three and a half to watch three and a half to go i'm like halfway through uh, the fave woman's yeah three and a half men um, <laughs> is he in that? Is he? <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Sheen. Uh, the I'm camera. excited to hear you. I'm excited to hear what you think about the Fablemans too, because it's uh, not bad. I'm an hour or so into it. It's it's enjoyable so far. It's that's Steven Spielberg's vanity project. That's his Kill Phil, mm-hmm. although probably a little bit better than Ben's version. Oh, um, you didn't see my version bye. of the Fablemans. 
I don't think I want to see your vision of the paper. This is how Ben Waterworth started the Oz Network. This is how he got labeled a racist, even though it was Noah who said it. Uh, you know, you do the Vanity Project, you can finally get revenge on Noah. It's like it was him the whole time. I would, I would love to do like the Oz Network behind the scenes. Like the Survivor Oz would be more juicy. Oz Network boring. Like Nick, you want to do a podcast? You know, Colin, you want to do a podcast? Survivor Oz, like it was a joppy story. Come on, <laughs> Ben Powell, fuck off. Wait until we get into the Joppy story. Um, oh. We will we will finally have vindication for James Pickering Alan when he Flockhart? becomes a major Flockhart movie. Remember him? <laughs> oh, he's Irish. He could be in the in the Banshees of Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran, yeah, he would be. He played Ed Sheeran himself. Uh, all right, so yes, we will talk about Ed Sheeran and Alan Flockhart on another day. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow, it'll be tomorrow. Sure. Sunday. That's the right day. All right. My name is Colin, and er, picking up at single. And my name is Ben. And hold my hand. <laughs> Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.